Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another compelling episode of the Living Jewishly podcast. I'm Rabbi Rachel. I'm Rabbi Margus. Nice to be back with everyone. And we are the Rabbis Rubenstein. <laughs> hello. It is so incredible to be here today. It is, what is the temperature outside? Temperature check, quick temperature check. It is, the temperature in Minnesota is? Six degrees. Six degrees. And we're opening our outdoor ice skating rink tonight for the beginning of a Klezmer on Ice Festival. Um, so how many kids will be out ice skating at a negative five degree weather tonight? People are excited. I think people are pumped. People, I guess people are pumped. That's wonderful. That's <laughs> wonderful. I had a very un-Minnesotan reaction. There was there was a, a congregant who wrote to me, it's supposed to be negative 15 degrees tomorrow morning at uh, my Ain Yaakov Shior that I give at 8 a.m. on Fridays. And they actually said, Maybe we should cancel the class for wow. the temperature. Wow. Yeah, it's very, it's very depressing. Yeah. People I was are like, becoming wimpy. Come on. I thought, I was like, Minnesota is so much stronger than that. But what are you going to do? Anyway, do you have anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to say? No, things are good. What's going on with you? Things are good. It's nice to be back with everyone. It's nice to, to continue on. This is kind of a, a little, we're, we're geared, we've been in a slow period without a lot of holidays, and, but we're gearing up for Purim, so we're gearing up for a big so you event. Said we're gearing up for Tu Bishvat. It's we are gearing be up for Tu Bishvat. It's a good one, but, <laughs> but really for Purim. And, and so things are good. Lots of good things going on. Wonderful, wonderful. So what are we talking about? So before we say what we're talking about, we want to tell you something. We, we told you about this last time, but we have a very special guest here today, a third, just because you didn't have enough rabbis. Two rabbis wasn't enough. Let's add a third rabbi in. We're bringing in Rabbi Adir Yolkut. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, rabbis Rachel and Marcus. It's so nice <laughs> to be here. Uh, my name is Adir Yolkut. I, too, am a rabbi forming this this trio, this this legal rabbinic court on this podcast, first ever in its existence. Well, that's right. I currently... Baby, be scared. I, I, be very scared, our listeners. Always. When three rabbis get together, you should be very afraid. I love um, it. Not us. We're very inclusive, welcoming. Uh, I'm a rabbi in New York, in White Plains, New York, about 45 That's what minutes. That's welcoming people say. <laughs> north of Manhattan. And uh, I work at a synagogue called Temple Israel Center, where I serve as the associate rabbi. And I live here with my wife, Lauren, our almost four-month-old son, Cal, and our a little bit over one-year-old labradoodle named Louie. And it's mm -hmm. an honor to be here on this podcast. Are we going to talk about how you stole your dog's name from our dog's name? Or is that, well, we're going to just push that just under the right table? <laughs> Let's not, uh, let uh, he who is without sin cast the first stone. I think you named your dog after a famous musician. There's a city that I'm from that also is probably the oldest version of that. So really, if you trace it back, we're all stealing from one another. We'll, right. we'll call it a tribute. A tribute, it's not nice. an honor, exactly. Imitation so you, is the highest form of clarity. So you have a newborn and a puppy. Are you guys getting any sleep over there? Um, No, no, not really. <laughs> Every time we think we're getting into a stage of good sleep, it just regresses back to crappy, a bad sleep, I should say. So, uh, you know, keeps you up at night and keeps you on your toes during the day. Well, mazel tov for faking it really well. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm getting good at that. <laughs> All right, so what are we talking about today? What are we talking about? There, I, I guess we mentioned Tu Bishvat and Purim, but there is another holiday coming up, a, a, holiday. a more widely celebrated holiday probably than either of those in our American true. Jewish communities. Yeah. And what holiday is that? It is the Super Bowl. And what is the Super Bowl? 
we don't really talk about it. The Vikings are out, so it's, we don't, it's not really relevant. In to Minnesota us doesn't exist because the Vikings aren't in it. So, um, yes, a, a Super Bowl, the championship American football game, where we eat a lot of buffalo wings and pizza and sit and watch a game of American football. And it really um, pushed us to think about and kind of spring up this question of like, what's the deal with football anyway? How do we deal with American football? I say American football. I'm a very big soccer fan, as some of our listeners know. Um, So I say American football. And so we wanted to talk today about football. And there's been a lot of discussion in the world about American football, the injuries that are going on and uh, the concussions and sort of the long-term damage to players. And, And the question has sort of come up is it is it moral to watch american football like is it is it moral to be part of it and specifically according to not just morality but according to jewish values right is it in accords with jewish values now what i want to put out in front we're not we're not gonna we're not uh, saying is it permissible or or non-permissible to watch it's not we're not gonna say it's forbidden to watch we're not making a legal ruling here there is no legal ruling with this per se but but in terms of jewish values in general um is it kind of match with the jewish lifestyle and the jewish outlook to uh watch football um, and uh, we're going to talk about and discuss that today. Can I just name one thing that I'm I'm a little nervous to record this I'm podcast nervous. here. I think this might be our right. most controversial one yet. Right. We are we're deep in the heart of Vikings country. We're right next to Packers country. I mean, these are real football people in our community, and I'm a little bit nervous. This but, might be our last. But let's episode, jump so. in. <laughs> Wait, you think you feel different? Like you would have felt differently recording this before you guys came to Minneapolis? Like you feel like the environment you're in has changed how you relate and thinking about football? Absolutely. Well, first of all, we're in St. Paul. That has to be. Sorry, I, know, I, always, <laughs> I grew up in the Midwest, but I never Stop understood that. Negating us. But Sorry, absolutely. Our, our, I mean, in New York, people watch football, but here, I mean, we cannot plan programming on Sundays through all of football season without looking at the Viking schedule. If the Vikings yeah. are playing, we cannot plan a program. No one will. What was come. the recent thing we saw on the government website? They're like, if oh, that a was the funniest. Game. Yeah, we were looking up how to go to the recycling center, and they said, oh, it can get really, it can get really busy. Um, but the best time to come is when the Vikings are playing <laughs> on the government oh, website. Yeah, website. I mean, that's like really the. That's how we live our lives in this country. Exactly. Yeah, it's been very, it's very, it's been very compelling. There's a, there's a very big commitment to the Vikings, and they're very like characteristically Minnesotan. Um, and and I, I think before, can we can I just introduce Rabbi Adir for a second, like a little bit? Why we brought him on today? Not Rabbi Adir is one of my really uh, close friends. We we uh, graduated from rabbinic school together, basically, um, and he is my sports guru. Like <laughs> I, I love sports, and I, uh, I, 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 but it's like a sort of new thing. Like I got into soccer like four or five years ago. I always kind of like watch sports, but I never really knew about it. I was more of a guy. I faked it sort of. And Adir right. would always say you're faking it. And like, he would know that I was faking it. And Adir, can you tell us a little about your sports fandom, your connection to sports? Sure. I'll also just add, it was especially apparent you're faking it when you decided to join our fantasy football league without any real knowledge of fantasy <laughs> football league. And I think your standings every year reflected that aspect of faking it. Wow. Wow. But- but I will say now, given the passion that you've thrown into your life as a sports fan, I would be very um, surprised if you didn't vault to the top of the standings if you play fantasy football. Maybe we'll leave that to the end of this conversation because maybe that's part of the uh, ethics and morals of football. 
If we played fantasy American, if we played fantasy European football, I would vault to the top. There you go. <laughs> so. That niche, that niche market of that. So, what, what did you ask? My relationship with what? Yeah, football? like I, I know you have a very uh, close relationship with. What, we can yeah. talk about football specifically, but also sports. Like, like you, sports mean a lot to you, and I would love for you to kind of unpack definitely, that. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I would say like second to Judaism. If I think about sort of the centers or the bases of my life. I would say sports is the next closest thing to the top of that list. I think I grew up in a family that that in general sort of, I don't know, in the same way you talked about Minnesotans and Vikings games in the calendar, like my family, whether it was watching sports or playing sports in literally formats, um, our lives very much gravitated around that. Around that, my older siblings sort of, I don't know, indoctrinated me for lack of a better term or educated me in the love of sports. And some of my greatest memories in life, like second to my life cycle memories of recently my son being born and marrying my wife, I would say some of my greatest memories in in general involving friends, like people in my life, but are around sports. I attended uh, the 2006 clinching game of the World Series. I went to the Rams, St. Louis Rams. Um, may they may they rest in peace. Salava shalom. Um, hey, the Rams first... still exist. They're just in the Los they Angeles. Do. They do. They betrayed my city. But in any event, uh, they played the Minnesota Vikings in the year 2000 in their first magical run to the Super Bowl. And I was at that game. I kept the ticket stub. So it's like my lifeblood sports. I mean, I love it. I still watch it to this day, staying up way too late with a newborn and, and regretting it the next morning. But it's always usually worth it for sports for me. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And what about, and, and it, it, do you have anything you want to particularly say about your connection to football? I know you enjoy it a lot, but. Um, I, yeah, it, it feels like sort of next to baseball. I grew up for a long time without a football team. My town got a football team when I was about nine years old. And I don't have many members. Like, I think I watched it before that. But once that happened, it, it draws you in almost in like a religious with like a religious fervor. You know, um, I think nowadays, basically, they're during football season. Maybe there's one night a week where there's not football on because now we have Monday night football. College plays during the week, Friday night football, Saturday football. So it's like I, I feel surrounded by it. Um, and that's been the case for a very long time. And it sort of becomes like the background music basically to the fall and winter in my life. Mm. Mm, that's so beautiful. That's, that's lovely. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it is lovely to have that. In a poetic way, I'm just sort of talking about it's ever-present, you know? It's like, it's just around. It's so integral to America. So are you saying that neutrally? Like, it's like not, is it something that you enjoy being around? Like, it's like, oh, it's, I, it's, it's a good thing. I absolutely right? enjoy yeah. it, but I wasn't trying to paint it in like a in like a poetic way. I don't. I think football is barbaric, and maybe this will get us into a little bit of the conversation. And I, and it, and I find myself challenged by it, yet it is deeply ingrained in my life. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, interesting. We'll get into it. I mean, I think those are the most interesting questions, right? It would it would not be an interesting. That's part of why we brought you on, Adir. It would not be an interesting conversation of two people who are kind of neutral on football to have a conversation about is football is it okay to watch football? We right. we, we have yeah. no we have no stake in that. It's right. a much more interesting conversation always of when there's a kind of a a pull and a tug yeah. of of values and of of. Of desires. Yeah, see, I Absolutely. think football football for me is very different in my family because it was we were the only sports that were watched in my house was figure skating. Okay. <laughs> that was the only and if you call that I, I it is a sport. Okay. All right. Oh, the figure skating lovers out there will get you. But we watched my sister is a figure skater and we would watch figure skating. And famously on every Super Bowl every year, my family would go to the ice skating rink and we would go ice skating as a family. And they, we loved, used to, my parents loved it because they said no one was at the ice skating rink that time. So, look, I identified the Super Bowl with ice skating outside. Wow. Um, Shout out ice skating. That's the second reference we've had to it. 
And also in the in the same way that like people go recycling on Super Bowl Sunday, <laughs> you guys decided to go ice skating on Super Bowl Sunday. Exactly. I'm exactly. learning a lot. Exactly. It's so, convenient to be countercultural. It's well, if you're trying it to is. avoid the crowds. It is convenient, but like but the, but my junior year of high school, I I didn't have many friends and I I you know, I I the lunch table I sat with, they were all into the Jets and they were all into I grew up in New York and they were all into the Jets and football and they were talking about it. So I started watching and I actually really liked it. Like there's like really cool strategy to football and I like the manliness of it. You know, I was, uh, you know, I, I just, I just really enjoyed, I really enjoyed watching football so much so that I remember my father finally bought us a television and we, we hosted our first super, my first Super Bowl party. I wow. hosted it. I invited all my friends over my junior year of high school and I was, I got in finally. I liked football and I, and I was, it was pretty it. cool. And, and, and I love, and throughout college, I really enjoyed watching football too. Cause I, like, Unlike other sports, the strategy of football is like so apparent of like, you know, where the person's going to go and planning it out. I, li I really like that part of it. Um, so I like football, but I don't have the family connection you do. I don't have I didn't grow up with it at all. Um, you know, and, and so maybe that that sort of changes a little bit the way I might I might look at it or feel about it. But, you know, as the as the injuries sort of start racking up and we started hearing about CTE, um, and, and basically the effect of, of, of concussions, um, I sort of like began to get the feeling that like we're, we're watching people like die in front of us, like slowly like kill themselves in front of us for our pleasure, for our enjoyment. Um, and, 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 you know, and that's without, you know, the normal injuries, like God forbid what happened to um, Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills player the other day. I know that could have happened in any sport, but, um, you know, again, just watching people get really badly hurt um, was was sort of painful for me to watch. And I, I think it's important to note that it's not just people, right? It's certain types of people. It's predominantly African-American men who are come from from lower class backgrounds and the people who are most benefiting are the wealthy white male owners right i think that's an important dynamic to name right right besides of course the, the players getting paid a lot of money but you know but not a lot of money in comparison to how much money the owners are, are true, making yes. off of these teams right so. it's it's relative um so yeah i mean i i think like that really that really hurt me and then i i also want to like name like also for me like I think the problems I started feeling with it was this sort of like it, it, this desire for violence, right? Like if you watch people who aren't cognizant of this, watch football, they're like, kill them, kill them, go get them, like tackle. And then I went, I went to my first Vikings game this year because I was a Minnesotan. I got invited to a, a Vikings game and it was a fun experience, but it was kind of also scary how the people around us were like yelling to like get these other players. And it really, it, it, it just... I think that kind of venom at the other players and, and the desire to see these huge hits is kind of like, it's not good for the psyche. It's not good as, a, as for your shama, for your soul. Um, and so those are kind of the things that, that rub me before, before, but before we get into like our Jewish text and we start talking about Jewish texts here, um, do you want to talk a little bit? Do you have any connection to football, Rabbi I, Rachel? Yeah, I, I, I'll say I don't have a ton to, to add. I mean, I, I grew up with a, a Bears and Steelers loving family. My parents are from Pittsburgh, so my dad's home team is the Steelers, but we live in Chicago. My brother is a big Bears fan. Uh, so football was certainly always on. I mean, it was always like my family was always watching it. We always watched the Super Bowl. Um, but I don't I don't have an emotional connection, certainly not not in the way that you two are describing. And and I, I don't know how much of that is 
is uh, gender, but I certainly think that's part of it. I mean, I think both of you are describing a, a kind of social camaraderie with your with your friends. I mean, uh, certainly for you, Marcus, that's a big reason you wanted to fit in with the guys in right. high school. And, and Adir, you spoke a lot about kind of your connections socially uh, through watching and playing football. I, I just didn't have that. Wonderful. If we if we do a podcast on The Bachelor, I can contribute oh, a little more. That would be amazing. That'd be that, would, okay. that would drive up listenership, certainly. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so what does what does the Torah say about football? Let's let's look at our, our text. And that's always important to see what our Jewish tradition sort of has to contribute. I brought a couple of texts. I think Adir is going to bring some uh, bonus maybe ideas here. Uh, Rabbi Adir is going to bring some bonus texts. Um, the first text I really want to bring. Um, is really is is actually from the Yerushalmi. It's from the Talmud, and it and it it talks about um, something that was sort of apparent in the life of the rabbis. Um, remember, the Talmud was redacted from around 200 to 500 um, BC, uh, CE, and the Mishnah before that, um, zero to 200 CE. And the dominant culture of the time, um, for at least the early period, was the Romans. Um, and the Romans had these things called gladiator games, right? Where uh, actually usually criminals or the condemned or prisoners would go in and they would um, be forced uh, to fight each other and or fight animals, vicious lions, bears, tigers, and uh, the fight basically to the death. And they would die, either die in the ring or kill whatever animal it was. Um, and this was a source of huge entertainment for Roman culture. And the rabbi, and it was, it was in some ways grotesque, uh, you know, extremely violent murders, tearing people limb from limb, whether it was the animal or the person. And that was part, of, that was truly the entertainment value was watching someone just get completely destroyed as, as, uh, as a human being. And of course, for the rabbis, this was, the gladiator games were an antithesis for them to, to their values. Um, one, because it seems that it's, it's a culture problem, right? So that it's a, it's a foreign culture, right? So the rabbis sort of had a problem with a foreign culture and Jews doing things about foreign culture. And we can sort of, I think that, that for us, that, that boat has sailed. We as conservative Jews, um, you know, believe in being part of American culture. So that's, 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 we're not against being part of American culture. So we're going to put that one to the side for a second. But one thing that this, this Gemara in, in, in uh, Tracted Avodah Zaran Yushalmi presents is something very interesting. It says, you can't sell a lion or a tiger or a bear to the, 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 the Colosseum or to the gladiators, right? Um, so that they can't be used as part of these gladiator shows. And when the Talmud then begins to discuss this ruling of the Mishnah, it starts to list some of the reasons why. And so then it begins to talk about this idea that it's forbidden to sell them these products because it's actually helping them do the gladiator ritual. It's, it's helping them do the gladiator games, right? So therefore, um, what we actually see then is that uh, the rabbis forbid doing it because they don't want to support these games. And some of the things they say, I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a, it's a long text in here. It says um, uh, that it's it, one of the things it says is it's forbidden um, to sit in the crowd. It's forbidden to go to the games. It's forbidden to sell products to them because it's sitting as a the, the Gemara text here says it's like sitting in the seat of scoffers, which actually the Bach, one of the great uh, commentaries, amends that text to say it's sitting with people who are, are shedding blood. Right. And it's about bloodshed. And a Jew is forbidden to sit by and watch bloodshed. Right. And watch actually uh, people uh, get terribly, terribly hurt. Um, 
you know, some, you know, it's also some of the gladiator games were about uh, paganism, right? So actually, it was sort of an, the whole games were an offering to the gods. So of course, that was a no no for the rabbis. Thank God we don't really have that unless uh, in, in 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 our in our modern American football. Um, but you know, this was was a big thing, and, and and interestingly enough, this Gemara text here says that the only reason you can go to the games is to shout to have compassion on the gladiator, to, to shout to have compassion on the human being or the animal, to not um, hurt them too much, right? That's the only the only reason you can take part in the games is to protest them, <laughs> right? Which is in some ways a very beautiful text. And so obviously I think we're bringing, I'm bringing this particular text because I think it, it, I struggle with it a little bit. It's not an exactly good comparison to modern American football. I think there are some definite differences. Um, number one, right? It, the intent of football is not to kill each other. Number one, right? That is unlike the gladiator games. And most of the time, people don't immediately die um, during the games. And that's certainly not the intention. Uh, yet, there are some glaring similarities, right? That the entertainment of football, a lot of it is seeing guys hit each other. I mean, I've, I've heard it from your, your, your father, right? Like, you know, it's just fun to watch these big guys hit each other, right? Which, it, it's entertaining. But is there, according to the rabbis... Right. There's something wrong with watching people hurt each other, right? watching people uh, attack each other. Right. Um, so that 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 is in some ways the similarities. And also, of course, the similarity is the sort of the the that now we know that that football slowly sometimes kills players over times because of this horrible disease CTE. So if you're watching someone maybe not kill themselves in the moment, but kill themselves eventually because of what they're doing, is that under the same category uh, of that, that the, this piece of Talmud talks about? I mean, I think, and I think the other comparison, I mean, sometimes when we start talking about this, people do a little bit of what about is I'm like, right. well, why are you talking about football? You could be talking about boxing. Boxing is, you know, we could say it sheds a lot more of the similarities of bloodshed, but it doesn't have the cultural impact or the cultural stronghold on our American society that football does. And I think that's another similarity here. Like they're pointing to this cultural stronghold that the gladiator games had on Roman society and how it creates this culture of, of uh, you know, encouraging this bloodshed. Um, and I think that's the other similarity that there is a, a strong cultural impacts that football has on American culture, unlike unlike any other, except for maybe baseball. Yeah, what say you, Adir? I mean, there's a lot to unpack about that text. Um, uh, and I also would like to comment to on what Rabbi Rachel just said, um, which is, I think that in the game of whataboutism, which, which I think is just part of this conversation, like there are so many, you know, for better or for worse, but I think it's a legitimate thing to talk about because there are plenty of sports. Yeah, I think one of my earliest memories, I watched hockey too growing up and, and the St. Louis Blues were playing the Detroit Red Wings one time and their player, Chris Pronger, got hit in the chest with a puck. Almost right. the exact same type of thing that happened to DeMar Hamlin. Not a human body, but a puck. He collapsed on the ice. Uh, he didn't lose consciousness, but um, a sort of similar situation. Like, it is it's um, it is a part of sports. And I think the difference that I see is, at least this has changed maybe in the last 10 or 15 years with, I think, some of the recent developments um, in brain, in, in you know neurological studies and the developments around CTE. I don't find that I'm around people so much who are watching football for the bloodthirstiness aspect of it. Um, I find that people are watching football primarily now because of either they're like fans of the team, which is even diminishing. They're playing fantasy football or with gambling, which is sort of like an extension of this like ethical, moral, moral problem. But a lot of people are tuning in because they have money on the game. But 
it's rare for me to find myself watching a football game and being with other people and us sort of like eagerly um, imbibing when one player knocks out another player. I think the fact that football has even, whether you sort of call it a legitimate attempt, um, tried to um, uh, soften um, the push for illegal hits with penalties like targeting and fining players um, and the introduction of independent uh, medical professionals required at each team to be on the lookout for possible neurological injuries. It's not a perfect system by any means. We even saw that this year with the quarterback from the Miami Dolphins who was allowed back to play when he was like on the field, right? Like his arms were frozen and, and um, clearly something was wrong with him. Um, but so, so it makes me wonder, you know, is the intention of the viewer, is the intention of the spectator in this case uh, relevant? Is that a relevant um, metric to to have this conversation? Because if I'm going in and I'm and I'm trying to entertain myself, but not to see someone get hurt or murdered, but to see, you know, people play this as you described your first introduction to football, the sort of what you might call as a beautiful game, the strategy, um, the 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 savviness of players, the athletic prowess. Um, is there a way to introduce that as a way to say, well, maybe it's not as uh, problematic, maybe? Yeah, I think. Look, I, I I think you have to split it up. I mean, in some ways. The intention of the reason one watches something and and what get one gets out of it affects somebody spiritually, right? So if I watch something because I love the big hits and I prize the big hits, right, that's going to change my personality and change the way I look at the world, right? So I think you're 100% right about that is it really does matter on the individual. But if you argue that the sport is immoral, right, and there's something going on that is immoral happening here, the intention really doesn't matter. Right. By watching it, you're contributing to the commercials making money, the sport, make the NFL making money. Right. And you're contributing just as the rabbis talked about to it happening. Right. Um, so, you know, if, if, it, if it's hurting somebody else in the end. So there's there, I would say I would break it down. There's the psychological impact on your neshama of like, am I going to become someone who seeks violence and desires violence um, and be, become more of a violent person possibly? And then there's also the impact on other individuals, right? And so intention matters in one. Intention doesn't matter very much in the other one, right? Yeah. I mean, I would say there's even kind of maybe a third a third category as well, which is the cultural impact on society. Right. And like, are we creating the type of society we want to live in? Which, again, I think Adir spoke to really beautifully, that if people are watching football and it's moving far away from kind of that thirst for violence, yeah. and it really is for That's all these other point. reasons. Yeah. I mean, again, we can talk about the gambling and is that the society we want to live in? But I think that I think that was a really good point, Adir, and really helpful. Um, and and, to, and But to your point, Marcus, I think, I think you're right. We, at the end of the day, we have to kind of figure out get to the bottom of is this sport kind of categorically different than other sports um, in that it is really killing the people yeah. that are playing it, in which case we have another question. And let's get into that for a second. Like the what about Because like I love other sports. Everyone who I talk to football about is like, well, you watch soccer. They've stopped like headers also cause CTE and they should stop. And and they're right. They're, they're stopping doing that in younger, at least in younger ages. Um, but I think the difference for me between American football and like, let's say hockey, like hockey would be a good comparison because there are real hits in that, right? Um, that that are, are condoned, right? Um, you know, in so, every sport is, is somewhat physical, right? Uh, um, uh, but what's the difference between, let's say, something like hockey and, 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 and football? I think what's different in football is like the play only really ends if some, until someone gets a touchdown or they get tackled, or they run out of bounds. So 
the goal is to tackle somebody and 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 do something that is painful to them like physically painful and can very much hurt them uh, that that is the goal that that has to be what happens while in hockey it's like a secondary thing right the goal is not to hit somebody in hockey the goal is to score a goal right the goal but you have you know the, you have players that and where the only thing you can do if, if if a guy is running down the field and you're a defender the only thing that you can do is tackle the guy down. There is no other thing you can do to prevent the violence or to not do it. While in hockey, you right, could you steal, can the, steal puck. the puck. Right. You can like do other things. It's not necessarily that you have to knock the guy down, right? Um, you know. So for me, does that change the dynamic when really the goal is to take someone down and hit them, right? I I think I would argue against that. I I definitely I think it is a way to try to make a distinction, but. I would argue that in hockey, basically, you are all the same means are trying to fulfill the end. The end is I'm trying to score a goal. I am going to hook. I might get a penalty. I'm going to slash or I'm going to body check, which I would argue in hockey gets the loudest cheers more so than football does. I think in football, when a player jukes or dekes or makes a one handed catch, that's going to get you the loudest cheers versus somebody headhunting across the middle and knocking someone out. Whereas in hockey, I don't, you know, when there's a fight at a hockey game, people are up in their seats. When somebody gets nailed up against the boards and flies over into the bench, people are like loudly cheering. And that that feels to me, if we're going to try to sort of label something as a little bit more bloodthirsty or people going um, in order to get entertained by really the violent aspect of it, I think hockey is certainly up there. I'm not in the game. I'm not in the, I'm not interested in labeling any of these immoral. I think there are plenty of immoral things in our in our world that probably deserve to be excised from it um but that to me feels very similar and i'll and i'll bring it up because you reminded me of it robert rachel when you spoke about the bachelor before i don't necessarily i don't want to say anything Whoa, bad. Now, 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 the now i'm in go now, ahead now we're like, you know, there were these shows like, like, I, I watched one season i don't even remember what it was called it was sometime during covid i was so bored it was like i think it was love no too hot to handle or love one of those shows where it's like you're put on an island with all these very good looking people, very physically oriented, and you can't have any physical interaction. Everybody is supposed to work together to to get to the financial prize. And every physical interaction, be it a handhold or a kiss or anything going up in sort of the level of intimacy, it deducts points. And right, the, sh the show is in theory about like trying to um, encourage people to look in the heart of someone and look in the soul of someone, but they're 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 uh, taking advantage of people who want to watch a bunch of good-looking people make out and do other things with each other. So that feels to me in this what aboutism conversation that does not feel like it it does good for the human soul. I don't think that is a very materialistic driven thing. And again, I'm not saying the Bachelor I, the Bachelor is in that category, but I think it's. A little bit different, right? I think it's trying to build these couples, which I don't know what the track is. It's about true love. Come on, it's here. True love, marriage exactly. and true love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. No, I, I mean, yeah. I think that's real. I mean, we part of the conversation is, you know, that came up is we we've seen like not to be named and not to call any one community out, but I've seen Orthodox synagogues that oh, have goodness. Super Bowl parties, and Definitely. but they but they don't watch the halftime show. Yeah. They'll do it's like Torah study during the halftime show because the halftime show with like scantily clad women and women who are singing, that's like, that's the problematic aspect for them. Yeah, um, and point. I mean, I think you're not wrong that there are, I mean, I would certainly not <laughs> not classify, you know, that particular breakdown, but I mean, you're not wrong that there's a lot that goes on in our culture that we can say, is this what, you know, is this doing the best for, for my soul? Is this doing the best for society and the society I want to live in? But again, just because something is worse doesn't mean that this is good. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I, look, I think in this case, the whataboutism is important. I, I do, because like, you're right. We we have to be straight about like, why why should football be singled out in a different way than other things? And we should be asking the same questions about everything. Is what, we, is what we're choosing to do to spend our time um, bringing us closer to God, or is it is it is it building a wall between us and God, right? And and that that should be a question that's sort of asking everything we do in an honest way. So that's really really important. And to that point, Robin Marcus, um, you know, y- you know well, both of you, this concept that in in sort of um, Chassidut and Jewish mysticism, there is no place that is absent of God's presence. We say late atar panuimine. And that's sort of an aspirational notion, this idea that I, I need to ascribe to live in a world where I feel God everywhere. That is a hard level to aspire to. And, and maybe, maybe it's healthy. Maybe there is space in every person's life where 95% of the time they are aspiring to their highest ideals. And in order to make sure that 95% of the time is happening, there has to be a 5% of your life where you are watching a show that you know is probably not so good for you, uh, participating in an activity, hopefully that's not so detrimental to your physical health, but like, you know, a little bit of a risk-taking activity, or maybe you're watching football and it like, it allows you to tap into that sort of animalistic soul you might have. And that allows you the other percentage of your life in order to be able to be the best Jew, Catholic, Muslim, Buddhist, you know, whoever, whatever that you are. I mean, I think that's an interesting question, too. I mean, in, just in terms of, like, the breakdown you you brought up at the beginning, that in your life, like, Torah study and Judaism is is kind of, like, number one and sports yeah. is number two. And I think for a lot of people in our community, like, I don't think it's 5%. Like, I don't think it's 5% of their lives that they're dedicating to this. Like, and so that could be a different way to ask this right. question, not of do I have to cut it out entirely? But, like, when I look at how I'm spending my time and, like, the breakdown of how I'm spending my time with my family and at synagogue and in community and doing good in the world and watching sports and watching TV, like, is this the breakdown I, I want or or is there is there another balance that I can strike? Yeah. yeah. I, 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 wanna, I also want to push back against that philosophy. I, I call it the treat yourself philosophy, <laughs> from the famous Parks and Recreation line, right? This idea that, like, in Americans is very potent in American society right now. Like, you have to, like every good person's got to treat themselves and like, you got to have spend, you know, me time. And like, I have to, you know, do things that I just enjoy doing just for the sake of, of, I don't know where the tour necessarily says that. I don't know. Does Judaism say that? Like, I know American culture and our, our, you know, it seems pragmatically we feel that like, like, look, you can bring it into Lashon Hara and gossip, right? Like I hear so many people say like, you know, 95% of the time, I'm not going to speak Lashon Hara. I'm not going to speak badly. But in order to do that, I have to spend, have like my people that I could speak Lashon Hara about and do it as much as I can get it all out from under my skin and then go back to being the person I want to be. Like Judaism doesn't say that works. Like I've never read a source that tells me that that is what you should do. You need to get it out and then come back in again. Right? I, I just, I, I don't Judea, You don't think that Judaism, you think that Judaism is all or nothing when it comes to ethical and moral behavior. It doesn't have room for creating space in your life. I don't, um, I don't think he's saying it's all or nothing. I think he's saying that it's about striving, that there's no, there's no part of Judaism that says, I'm not going to strive to be, to be more in relationship with God, or I'm not going to strive to, to be the best person I want to be 5% of the time, like 5% of the time, I'll give myself an allowance. The goal is to strive 100% of the time, you won't succeed, you will fail. But the goal is to strive, right? Yeah, I think the only the only example I can come up with is like, is the sacrifice to Azazel on Yom Kippur, right? Like, like that obviously is so against Judaism, like making a sacrifice. Azazel is like a name of a demon, basically. 
it's like it, obviously there's this like this idea of like scapegoating and giving something and like that maybe that idea is a little bit in there like oh i really want to do this i'm going to like give this little sacrifice to azazel and then everything else is going to be god but like besides that i really don't know i don't know where that i'm not saying judaism doesn't say enjoy your life like Obviously, Judaism definitely says that. Right, there's that famous, you know, the famous right. story in the Talmud of like God's going to ask you at the end of the day, like, why didn't you enjoy like all but the foods you could? What's make? different? That is a neutral. I think there are neutral activities where I can do something that I enjoy, but it's not harming somebody else, right? It's not. If we're arguing that like football is harming is harming people, right? And it's and it is it, there is there's violence under it, and it's not good for my service of God, right? It, if, we're, if we're arguing, if we're arguing that it makes us more violent or more angry or whatever that, that, that says, then, 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 then it's negative to our, our, our service. It's not neutral, it's negative, right? So I think there's, for me, that's, that's the argument I would make, right? Is there a neutral? Is there some other way? Like, yes, no, you shouldn't have a couple cigarettes sometimes if you're, if you're trying to stop smoking cigarettes, right? Like you should probably substitute it with tea or substitute it with exercise or something else, right? That we talk about, right? But, but not to do more of the harm, right? Yeah. I, well, first two things. So one is like the, the Torah is given to humans and not to angels. And so I think the the notion that we are not infallible and that we have these parts of ourselves that are just there, whether or not you want to call it a contemporary sort of, you know, hoodoo voodoo, postmodern understanding of treat yourself. Um, I think there very much is a trend or a, a strand reflected in Judaism that like we are fault, faulty characters and not every part of our lives is going to be um, ascribed to the highest ideals. Should we try? Yes, absolutely. Is the best way for me to try in order maybe to create space for something else? Yeah, I, I don't think that's so counter to what Judaism says. And I would even say to the, to the, to the piece of Gemara that you quoted, I think it's reflected in there. I think the fact that there is that opinion from, from Rabbi, Rabbi Natan, who says, actually, you can go if you are there and you're yelling about and trying to like, you know, bring attention to this thing that you're watching. And then he brings up this whole thing about also you can wit you can um, testify to the fact that, you know, women or who, whose husbands might have died in these gladiator right. games, right? This this sort of larger societal good. We'll put that aside for a second. But I think the idea that that even quoted, there is an opinion that says you can do this thing so long as you, um, you know, fulfill it in this specific way, right? If you're trying to change it for the better, I think that's a nod to the frailty of the human condition. Like they wanted to go watch these gladiator games. So according to your understanding of, I'm going to just read Rebbe Natan. He says, sure. um, one who sits in the, so the, 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 it's, it's quoted here. One who sits in the stadium is, is a spiller of blood. And of course they're not talking about football. They're talking about gladiator games. Right. Um, and it says, uh, cause if there was, you know, and then Rebbe Natan comes in and says, he permits it actually he disagrees with that statement. Why it says, um, because of two reasons, because he could shout and save lives. This is the lives of hopefully the gladiators, right? And maybe the animals as well. You can interpret. Um, and he can testify for a woman that she can remarry, right? Because if, if the prisoner, a lot of times, by the way, these were Jewish gladiators because the Jews were the prisoners, right? If there was a Jew who died, then you can testify and say, um, that this woman's, uh, husband, unfortunately passed away and she is now eligible to remarry. Right where it might have not been that case if they didn't know whether he died or not under mysterious origins. Of course, locking up the destiny of that woman, right? And you're arguing here based on Ribi Natan, right? Your argument here is that I, I think what you're arguing here is you're saying Ribi Natan is saying you can engage in this thing. You can engage in this thing even though it is has negative ramifications and it is bloody and barbaric. You can engage in it if you do it in a way 
that tries to, to help that, tries to remedy that, tries to fix that, tries to yeah. sort of save the person's life and, 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 and make it better. Is yes. that which I also, th- I mean, I think it's really real. I think it's a really good point, Nadir, because, I mean, as we keep saying, football does have this stronghold on our society. I mean, it's right. such a cultural influence. And if we kind of walk away and say, well, we're not going to engage with it and we're just going to leave it to the people who aren't thinking carefully about this, like, what is that? What? How is that? Like, it's not going to change the cultural influence it has on America, but it's going to probably make it even worse, right? It's going right. to it's gonna leave it to the people who aren't thinking carefully about this. And so, like, if we engage, it reminds me of when there were all of the... Um, the controversy about kneeling during the the during the um the national anthem national anthem thank you and right and there was kind of this one group of people who said well we're gonna like boycott the nfl we're not gonna watch it and then there were i i was going to be car at the time and there were all these people who probably don't spend their sundays watching football who were like we're gonna now support the nfl because we're gonna get engaged with this conversation um but I, i mean i think that's real of like this is something that's really important in our culture and like maybe we have actually a responsibility to show up and to and to inject into it the conversation we want to be having about it yeah yeah i think look rebi natan is yeah i think look you can you can erect rebi natan i i think that's a very keen reading uh rabbi dear of of rebi natan here and i think rebi natan might give us a way to engage with it but but again of course it's a slippery slope right it's very hard once you're in it it's very easy to just get entertained by it and forget why you're in it in the first place, right? Like it's like if something if you know something's bad for you, isn't the best thing to do just to stay away from it, right? And not not be involved. Like Rebbe Natan works really well for um, in the case of people are getting hurt in this, right? And the players are getting hurt or. Um, there's racism here um, uh, because of the, the amount of black players and everything like that, um, you know, and it works really well. So therefore I should be involved in order to change it. Right. Okay, fine. It works really well, but it doesn't work as well. If we argue that like watching violent sports, you know, makes me more violent because if I'm engaged in it, even if I'm engaged in it in order to stop, like to, to try to push that violence away, I'm still engaging. I'm still like experiencing that anger and I'm still part of it. Right. So I, I think it still would have that impact on you. And, and again, even if you go in the right way, right, I think eventually you'll slide into being like, wow, that that hit was because enter- it is entertaining. Like, I think there is something like we have to be honest here. Like, let's be honest. A, a person hitting another person and 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 big hits and and boxing, whatever it is, are, is entertaining to people. There is something ingrained within human beings that is entertaining to watch us hit each other. Like, that's just it. it throughout human history it's not a it's not a lear, i don't know if it's a learned behavior it's just like it's 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 evil i think that's within us right um and so maybe it's best to just completely distance ourselves from this because we know that it's going to draw us in that, that that feels like a very nice school of thought in the musser movement right they they would say to you the ethical movement take this thing out of your life because you you are not able to, you're not going to be able to withstand um the temptation or the the effects of it I would then say every every aspect of Judaism is about cultivating a sense of mindfulness and elevating something that is mundane, materialistic, physically oriented, and 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 either within yourself creating some form of, of sacredness um, or within the act itself elevating it to something else. We bless food because food has the potential to be gluttonous. Um, we we um, have certain rules around sexuality and, and sexual encounters because there can be much sexual impropriety when it comes to um, satisfying our physical desires. And I would say it's incumbent upon every person if they're interested in 
I'm a Jew and I feel conflicted about football to think to themselves, in what ways can I honor this traditional view on it? Because I do feel conflicted about it. Can I um, fight for legislation um, to make football safer in the National Football League? I won't be complicit by spending money on TV packages or team paraphernalia. Or I'll work with my local neighborhood association to make sure that in Pop Warner, the little kid football league, there's no tackling, which is something that has become quite popular in the last 10 years as well. Like I think there's a way to to reframe our participation in it by introducing things that allow us to take it from maybe this, yes, I am really entertained by it, and I'm also cultivating something sort of holy, if it's possible to say that about it. Yeah, I, I think I want to unpack that more because, like, I think that's important. Like, I think Rabbi Natan sort of, I think you built a nice way to, like, kind of help us move forward. Like, none of us are getting rid of football, right? Football is here to stay. Like, it, it is what it is. Um, I, you know, there's no rabbi speaking out against it. It's going to change that. Um, you know, and our, trust me, our congregants are not, you know, stopping watching football anyway. Um, you know, uh if, if, if we're going to watch football and, and Rabbi Natan is sort of building us a path, uh, as you're saying, like that we can watch football and watch it from a perspective to do good. Right. Can we unpack that more? Is it is it is it mostly what you're saying about like, you know, after I'm done watching football, I'm not going to buy paraphernalia and I'm not going to buy I'm not going to I'm going to like try to politically organize to make football safer. Is that what it's about or is, is I mean, I hope that's what it's about partially. But is there something more like is there something how does Rebbe Natan watch football? Like what does Rebbe Natan look like when he's watching the game? I mean, I think part of what Adir was saying at the beginning, you know, that was really helpful context for me as someone who's not a big football watcher of in my mind, I've kind of built up that people are watching it for this bloodthirstiness mm. and Adir is coming in and saying like, that's really not my experience. My right. experience is that people are watching for the good catches, for the plays, for the, for my fantasy team, for right. my, you know, for the money I have on the game, for all these other reasons. Right. And so part of it, I wonder, is that is like contributing to that part of the culture of like, that's what I'm going to be celebrating. That's what I'm going to, you know, like as I'm watching the game, I'm going to like watch myself and like see how I react to the big hits and like make sure that I'm, you know, uh, controlling, you know, how it is that I want to react to, to the different parts of the game. I think that's a big yeah. part of it. Yeah, I mean, it brings me back. We we, we had uh, someone uh, congregate generously. Uh, gave us some really nice wild tickets, uh, Minnesota wild tickets, and we we're sitting very close. To the action, it was really fun. I love, I, I really enjoy and appreciate hockey. Yeah. It's sort of like soccer, but the much smaller ball, um, <laughs> much faster. Uh, but yeah, regardless, <laughs> on ice, yeah, there's, there's a lot of this. Um, <laughs> With a stick. I'm a new sports fan. What can you say, all right? <laughs> we'll um, give it to you. We'll give it to you. <laughs> um, it's like it's like arena soccer. Um, there you uh, go. <laughs> um but but when I was watching hockey and like everybody, everybody got everyone started getting up like a standing ovation, like people were going crazy all of a sudden. I thought there was a goal, but there was no goal. It was two players fighting each other. Right. right. Like and it felt like a very Jewish thing at that moment to be like the only person sitting in the 10th row being like, this isn't hockey for me. Like this is not yeah. this is not I could be part of hockey and I could say this is fun to watch, but I'm not going to stand up and root for two people hitting each other. Right? Yeah. So that felt like a that. right. That felt like a very which, of course, someone then one of my congregants was like, "Wait a second, no, that's part of hockey. Like, there's a strategy in, in two players fighting each other, but that's a whole other story." Yeah, that is um, true. Yeah, you're probably right. Can I can I just bring in a text since we're still in the yes? In the bring it, bring in your bring in your bonus text here because I think it will also connect to something um, Rabbi Rachel said before. So this text is from uh, the thirteenth thirteenth ish century. It's from. Um, a rabbi who was a Talmudist and who was a halachist, so he did a lot of legal writing. His name was the Rosh. 
And he was asked a question by someone about wrestling. So we've touched on boxing, we've touched on ice hockey today. We haven't touched on wrestling, but he was asked the question about damages, right? In Judaism, we speak a lot about when someone hurts another person, what, what they're liable for when it comes to the damages. So here's what he says. The two men wrestled with each other with their common consent, and they injured each other unintentionally. For it is a well-known fact that when they both wrestled, the primary intention of each was to throw the other to the ground, and it is impossible for him so to control his strength that the other fall gently and not be hurt, for they wrestle with all their strength and each tries to make the other fall. And so I think why that's relevant is first off, he he introduces the um, consent of, of the parties in this. And I think it's probably far beyond this conversation from Robert Rachel's point before about like the sort of systemic economic issues that football tends to bring in um, a lot of, you know, black and brown players from lower income areas. Um, and it's sort of what you might say, preys on those types of communities. Um, nonetheless, the fact that the, the people involved are willing parties to this and that they're not trying to hurt each other, according to the Roche and his understanding of wrestling. And in the same way, uh, Marcus, this gets back to your point, you know, like, what is the goal of what they're trying to do? They're trying to score a touchdown. They're trying to stop the other team from scoring a touchdown. Tackling a player is a part of that. And you can't really tackle someone gently, right? You're not going to like run up to the guy and say, hold, hold on one second. Let me delicately put you on the ground. Um, awesome. But you do your best, right? Like now they teach tackling in a totally different way than when we were kids growing up, right? All the ways in which I want to position my head and my shoulders. And I'm not like a Pollyanna here thinking, I recognize the difficulty in this. It, it is a violent sport by its nature. But I think what I appreciate about, about this text is the unintentional, intentional aspect of, of what exists in football. Um, and that the intentional acts that we see are now punished and hopefully serve as a deterrent um, to more violence in the sport. Interesting. Uh, the Roche text, I've never heard that text. It's, it's, a, it's a great one. Um, yeah. Just a, just a clarification. Were, were the players, were the wrestlers Jewish in this text? And is he ruling on whether it's permissible for players to wrestle? It's been a while since I was sitting with the text, so I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I'm, my guess is yes. I think it is talking about two Jewish wrestlers in terms of, because of the damage conversation. Like, can you, because it's a whole question for me. I mean, we have a lot of people who, like, they're, they're so afraid of their kids playing football. And it's like, as a Jew, like, are you allowed to sort of put yourself in those situations where you know, even if, like, are you allowed to say, I'm going to put myself, my body in this dangerous situation where I know I can very easily get hurt? Because, like, we know in Judaism, our body does not belong to us, right? Our body belongs to God, right? We don't, we, right. we can't just do anything to our body because it's not ours, right? Um, yeah. You know, which is very different than the American understanding. And and it seems that the Roche is, is saying, no, you can. You can put do something that's relatively dangerous if you try to do it in a in a in a safe way, which is which is an interesting understanding. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the consent conversation is so huge. I mean, that really is that is a such a big difference from the gladiator conversation right. where we're where we're talking about right. prisoners and we're talking about a lack of consent. And and to your point, Adir, I mean, I think the conversation of what is consent and you know is there is there full consent you know it's a it's a question but we also like for for the for the facts we have on, in the case we it's certainly more consent than the gladiators had it's not people being yeah. kidnapped and, and forced into this right i think people would argue that the financial aspect is what makes it non-consensual like you're kind of like pushed and persuaded so so much into doing it because you're poor but th that would be a different thing i think i still yeah. on a different level than Right. Real consent, you know. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein wrote a wrote a response uh, in the 20th century. So now we're you know transport transporting ourselves 600 years into the future. Take to your question time. to your it. question about can Jews play professional sports? And his answer was yes. 
um, if they need it in order to basically um, have livelihood. Um, so we don't see a lot of Jews, sort of like active Jews in football. There are a few, and, and they've come out and talked about their experience. What he doesn't talk about and what would be interesting to hear, obviously we won't hear it from him because he's passed away, is if it's been proven to cause the physical damage to our bodies, which, as you noted, are on loan to us right, right. From, from God, does that change the equation? Um, would he say, you know what, you, you do have to have a livelihood, but pick something that's not going to detrimentally harm your li- quality of life and cut off years of your life or, or whatever. That, that, that's the interesting part, I think. So let me let me apply. Let me ask you personally, like uh, Rabbi Deer here. Does that since we now know in 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 football, I think we can agree, right, that CT is real and that like it's yeah. it's it happens sort of whether you want it to or not, and it's uh, it sort of just happens to people who are playing football all the time. Um, now that we know that, um, is 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 it still the same, right? Is it still the same? To say that these people have consented to it. It's okay, or. They shouldn't have been able to, you know, in some ways it's wrong that they consented to it in the first place and it's an immoral to do something that you know is going to hurt your body. What would you say to that? I don't, I don't, I'm, look, I'm, I'm biased on this. I can't, you know, I, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Be biased, be biased. I know, like, I'm there, I don't, I cannot imagine something that would change my mind that I wouldn't watch football anymore. The week after DeMar Hamlin's injury, I was tuned in watching fan, like watching my team and watching fantasy football. I, these players, they, they speak about it very honestly nowadays. And they and some of them even talk about how I have a child. I don't want my, them. This is them talking. I don't want my child to play football. Like, right. I made millions of dollars on this sport. I'm in the Hall of Fame and I don't want my kid doing it. And I and I feel like now with all the things that we know and their consent or complicity in the conversation, I feel like that's them opting into this very dangerous thing. Um, in the same way that a stunt person opts into a career that's very dangerous, and I'm happy to watch, you know, a great movie that a thriller where a stuntman is jumping off a cliff, and I and I feel like it's enough. They're in it enough. They're not being duped in the same way, perhaps that you could argue in the '70s or '80s or '90s, that makes me so uncomfortable that I wouldn't watch it. Right, because it's so public now that everyone knows what this is about, what's yeah. happening. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I feel empathy because you love it so much and you care for it. And I think a lot of players, but I have to say that same thing that I, I when I was reading the players after DeMar Hamlin and, and a lot of the players, the famous players were kind of commenting on it. I felt, I, I sort of felt like there was something wrong going on. And, and who am I, I you know, look, I, I play, I don't know what it is to play football. I understand that perspective. But that being said, like, if the player saying, I have I, I have children at home, I go to every day thinking like, what's gonna happen to me? Am I gonna come home? And like, my parent, my, my children depend on me. Like my, the, the voice in my head is like, then stop playing football. Like if you really care so much about your family, you're gonna say, but I love it so much that it doesn't matter. That's evil love, right? Like if, if, if something you love is taking away from you of, of taking care of your family and your children and making sure you come home every night and it's not like, let's say, being a police officer or being something where you're actually saving lives, right? Like there, for me, that feels like, okay, like you need to take the extra step. It seems like, why aren't you taking that next step of saying, well, then I'm going to stop playing, right? Uh, it's an interesting perspective on it. I think... So many of these guys have basically devoted the better part of their lives to this thing and have geared every every stage of their life in order to further their career. And I think that's the math. That's like the mental math that they have to go through in order to decide to do it. And, and what is their quality of life? 
you know, what does their life personal enjoyment look like if they would say, I'm walking away from this game, which plenty of players do. Andrew Luck, most famously, who was like a rising star in the NFL and basically said, I don't want to put my body through this. So like there are enough players who are doing it and enough players who are staying in to keep the game going that I feel like it it gives sort of tacit permission to the rest of us to choose whether we want to do it or not. I think in 25 years, it will be very interesting to see if football looks the way it does. I actually don't think it will. I think I think things will, will radically change in terms of the sport. And I think it's going to take a lot, like something like that amount of years in order to actually change. Mm, yeah, I I have to say, I think I hope so, too. I, 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 I again, I don't want to I don't I want everyone to be clear on what I'm saying. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to speak for these players and I don't want to preach against these players and I have no idea what it's like to stand in their shoes. Right. But, but that's, yeah, that's certainly, that's certainly how it struck me. But th- that, that really helps me because like, again, if they were to walk away from football, that that's their whole life. Like what are they going to do with, you know what I mean? Like that's what they've committed their life to. But that, instead of making me frustrated, that just kind of makes me sad. Right. Like, yeah. like, you know, um, which, which again, I think when I, now when I turn on football, it's like, you know, it doesn't, even though I enjoy the strategy of it, like I just feel this ickiness about it, you know, Uh, you know, so, um, so, okay. So let's, 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 I think there are, there, there are multiple ways we can conclude here. One, I I really want to, I know that most people listening to this are not going to say, okay, I'm going to stop watching football together. Right. And I don't, I don't know if that's what we're saying here. I mean, certainly you can read that, but if you're going to choose to continue watching football, I, I think all of us can agree, as we'd say in the Talmud, Kule Alma Maskim, right? Everyone agrees with Rabbi Natan, right? That we should, you know, we could watch football, right? But you could watch football, but watch it responsibly. What can we, can we just kind of get like a, a really practical, what does that mean in the 21st century today to watch, to watch football, American football, like Rabbi Natan would as, as a Jew um, with our values? What does that, what does that mean? I mean, I think it's looking at kind of the two aspects that we talked about of how is it affecting me? How is it affecting my spiritual development and my soul? And how is it affecting the players who are involved? Um, and to, to what Rabbi Adir mentioned earlier, I mean, I think there's multiple things we can do. We can look at what is my reaction to, to those big hits? What is my reaction? And what, what parts of the game are, are causing me that enjoyment? And how can I kind of shift more and more towards enjoying the skill and the athleticism um, and the strategy of the game and, and less of the, of the violence? And I think that, that's how we, we continue to, to work on our souls and work on our, how do I lift up the values of social camaraderie and of being with my friends? and of having those those memories that that last a lifetime and how do how do I have those relationships with my family like how do I build on all of that and how do I lessen my my connection to the to the more violent aspects um and then to to you know to the second point about the about the players and, and their welfare um as, as Adir mentioned earlier how do we advocate how do we use whatever positions of of power and privilege that we have to to really advocate for on behalf of the players you know um, I read, you know, a few weeks ago about like the that they, they like can't get life insurance after they will kill and get it after three years, but their average tenure is like two and a half year. You know, like how do we really advocate for, um, you know, for the for the players, for their benefit, for their families, um, and for their health, and continue regulations um, to to ensure that that hits are are safe and um, as much as they can be, and that we can continue to to try and lessen the the violence, lessen the the, the long term ramifications. Of playing this game yeah rabbi dear anything to add here I, I, that was really well encapsulated I, yeah. I you know i did some writing on this <clears throat> when we were in rabbinical school and and one of the conclusions i came to is understood th- through a term a halachic term which is called midat chasidut a sort of 
um, like a, a behavior of piety, which is, this isn't, you know, it's, it, it it's not something that you can really say is permitted or forbidden, I think, in a legitimate read. But it, but if you would like to be, in a very Rabbi Natan way, as you noted, a person who wants to watch football but wants to do it in a sacred way or a way that elevates it, I think doing some of the things that Rabbi Rachel said, as we do in all of our lives, right, how can I elevate something mundane into something holy? You know, one of the things that has become really popular, which I want to throw out there for people, if you play fantasy football, take a portion of your proceeds. You don't have to do them all because, you know, people like to win money. <laughs> if you won the league... And one of you had one particular player or a collection of players who really helped your team win. They all list their favorite um, charities, and you can donate some of the proceeds to the players that got your team to where it was. And you could do a little tzedakah in this act of sort of participating in this potentially bar- barbaric or violent sport. And one more thing, sort of advocating, like I think the NFL is is horribly corrupt. I think Roger Goodell is not a good human being. I think most of the owners are pretty awful. I think this was illustrated by the fact that even though they're trying to lie about it, they wanted to restart that game on Monday Night Football, and and they've denied it. And and the reporters are like, no, like we heard the conversations, right? They're about the bottom line and their pocketbooks. So I think to the extent that you can um, not give owners this ownership, who are these 32 primarily men, so there are some women, but primarily men, primarily white men, you know, put pressure on them. They're not hiring black coaches in the same way they hire white coaches. They're not giving players who are not vested yet um, health benefits. And that has changed with Damar Hamlin. And maybe it will change if there's enough pressure put on league-wide. Like there are ways, as in all aspects of life, that you can put pressure on a system to bust it in order to make it a little bit more equal. And I think that's a, a great way to also sort of capture that Rabbi Natan-ness of that, of that Talmudic piece. Thank you. Oh, that was... Thank you. Really, I I really like where we sort of came to because I think Rabbi Dear, you really opened up the ability to, for us to to still engage in football and, and engage in it Jewishly, uh, and and in a meaningful way with our values. Um, so I really I really appreciate that. Um, you know, again, just thank you thank you for coming on. Any any last thoughts you want to leave anyone any of you two want to leave us with? Anything I leave left out here? Do you want to talk about? Keep listening nope. to the Living Jewishly podcast. It's one of my favorites. Oh, <laughs> thank you, and we'll we'll certainly we'll certainly have Rabbi Deer on again. Um, and and it really really Rabbi Deer is one of my best friends. Uh, we went to rabbinic school together, and uh, so we'll continue watching sports together, and uh, still have a lot more to talk about uh, Jewishly as well. So thank you thank again. Thank you so much to everyone who's listening. We really, I mean, it really just makes our day when you tell us you're listening and enjoying the podcast. Continue to to let us know what you think. Um, it does help us if you subscribe and review and rate. It helps other people find our podcast. So thank you for everyone who has done that. Um, if you want to join the conversation, we want to hear what you think. I mean, especially I know a lot of a lot of people in our community feel passionately about yeah, this let topic. Us let us know email what us you think. Uh, you can email us at livingjewishlypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you always to Colleen Deeker and Jeffrey Boldinger for our theme music. Yeah. And next, honestly, next, uh, next podcast, I always like to kind of, uh, give a little foreshadow what our next podcast topic, we're going to again, try something new. If you remember over our Martin Luther King themed episode, we, uh, Rabbi Rachel and I studied one of the sermons of Martin Luther King together. And we kind of commentated on it, commented on it as we went and got a lot of people were very into this episode. People really liked it. We were trying something new, people liked it. And I have, um, I'm going to bring in two, uh, unbelievable, and we're going to do something actually similar again. We're going to bring in two, um, unbelievable leaders in the local, uh, black community here. 
Um, one, one is the head of the uh, Black Ministerial Council in St. Paul here. Um, really two, two black leaders who are really big in our local community here and who uh, Dr. Martin Luther King has been a huge influence to them. And they are going to come on our podcast and we're going to discuss, uh, the four of us are going to discuss uh, a sermon uh, of, of Martin Luther King together. And it's uh, one way to help bring our communities together, our Jewish community and the black local black community together. Um, and also, again, to, to, to discuss his ideas, to discuss Dr. Martin Luther King's. So I hope you're excited about this. Another interesting, uh, different kind of episode for next time. So anyway, thank you, everybody. And thank you, Rabbi Deer. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Hope you Bye get guys. some sleep soon. Get some sleep soon. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Celebrate the words of Torah with Marcus and Rachel, Rabbi.